بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين رب شرح لي صدري ويسل لي أمري وحل لقطة من لساني يفقه قولي أما بعد Respected elders your brothers and sisters, my young friends, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, the winter break is upon us. And while we are not celebrating Christmas, many of us will find time to do the same things that many of our neighbors will be doing, such as spending time with family, or seeing relatives that we haven't seen in a while, gathering together for dinners and traveling. As we watch the festivities go on around us, this is a good opportunity for us to reflect. Because there are a number of parallels between the journey of our Christian neighbors and friends and the journey of Muslims, and especially in today's times. Of course, both are believers in God, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the past prophets of Allah Both Muslims and Christians love and respect Nabi Isa alayhi salam, Jesus, peace and blessings be upon him. But as the Quran tells us, the majority of our Christian counterparts have gone into territory that is very dangerous. And not with us, but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By referring to Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam as Allah's son. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks very forcefully about this in the Quran and tells us that even some of his other creation are afraid and are outraged by this claim. In Surah Maryam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And they say that the Most Merciful has taken for himself a son. You have done an atrocious thing. By which the heavens are about to burst, the earth to split asunder, to split apart, and the mountains to crumble to pieces. That they attribute to the most merciful, a son. وَمَا يَنْبَغِي لِلرَّحْمَانِ أَنْ يَتَّخِذَ وَلَدًا It does not befit the majesty of the most compassionate of Ar-Rahman, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to have children. إِنْ كُلُّ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ إِلَّا آتِ الرَّحْمَانِ عَبَدًا There is no one 
in the heavens and the earth, but that he comes to the most merciful, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a servant. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, makes this matter crystal clear in the Quran in multiple places. And of course in Surah Al-Ikhlas as well that we repeat, that we recite regularly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors the mother of Nabi Isa alayhi salam, his mother Maryam alayhi salam by naming a chapter after her in the Quran and clarifies clearly the incident of his birth and how it took place and what was unique about it and what actually happened. The fact that he did not have a father was not because Allah was his father, but rather because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose for him not to have any father. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also corrects the misunderstanding regarding the crucifixion of Nabi Isa alayhi salam and makes it clear that while it may have appeared as if he was killed, he indeed was not killed and was instead raised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jalla has sent the Quran and has sent the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to verify and authenticate that which was true in the previous scriptures and to correct any misunderstandings that may have come in those scriptures and in the understanding of those scriptures. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that ana awla nasi bi'isa that both in the world and in the hereafter I am the nearest of all the people to Jesus to Isa the son of Maryam the prophets are paternal brothers their mothers are different but their religion is one so all of the prophets of Allah alayhim salatu wassalam all of them were sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of them were Muslims and all of them preached Islam and they brought that same message of the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of following Allah and his messengers alayhim salatu wassalam of being just, of being fair, of having good character and of protecting ourselves in every way from polytheism and shirk. Now brothers and sisters, the Christian world today is very diverse, perhaps even more so than the Islamic world. And the simple reason for that may be the 600 year or so head start that they got. Because of course, Sayyidina Isa salam predated the Prophet wasallam in terms of, their mission, of his mission in this world. So the Prophet Isa came first and there's a difference of approximately 600 years or so. The situation in other parts of the world may be different. But here in the West, we see a sharp decline. We see a sharp drop in religiosity, in religious practice, in religious affiliation. And this, although it has impacted all religious groups, has had a severe impact on Christianity. The number of French Catholics who say that they attend Mass weekly fell from 16%, one six, 16% in 1996 to 5% in 2013. For English-speaking Catholics, 
the numbers dropped from 33% to 19%. For mainline Protestants, the numbers who attend church weekly dropped from 20% to 10%. And among evangelicals, the number fell from 49% to 40%. And these are statistics which I found uh, with regards to uh, relating to this issue uh, from an authoritative source. Now, one of the things that we notice when we look at the numbers and the statistics is that the number of Muslims in Canada, number one, is growing. Number two, the statistics also show that the Muslim community has the youngest median age out of all faith groups in Canada. The third thing that we notice is that in terms of religious practice, the numbers tend to be higher for Muslims compared to the other groups. And what happens is when we see these numbers, naturally we get happy. And we say, Alhamdulillah, we're doing great. And uh, you know, the community is growing and the masajid are, are being filled and we need new, you know, new masjids to be built as we are trying. Um, and uh, you know, so generally there, there's a, a sense of, of, of reassurance. Um, but my hunch is, and Allah knows best, that our numbers would actually be quite similar to the other faith groups if it wasn't for immigration. If there was zero Muslim immigration, or if the numbers were very low, then our trends would be actually very similar to what is happening to other religious communities. And I look at that anecdotally as someone who was, you know, who was raised here in Canada, that, and you can ask almost anyone who, who has spent a lot of time here, and especially those who have grown up, and they'll tell you most of the time that the children and the kids that they grew up with, even in the masjid, are not coming to the masjid anymore. They are either not actively coming, or perhaps are not even identifying as Muslims anymore. You know? So this is something which exists and, con and, and, and is continuing. And the numbers um, you know, seem to be, or they are growing, but the growth, like the, the, there needs to be more effort put into identifying what is fueling that growth. And my hunch is, is that it's, it's immigration. Um, and also, somebody needs to look at what is happening to people, Muslims, who are either born here or who have been here for, uh, or who were raised here and have spent, you know, 20, 15, 20, 30 years, 40 years now. And, and where are they in terms of their, their, their religious practice and their, their affiliation with the Muslim community? Now, some of the main uh, factors uh, that we find within Christians in the West, the Christian community, and in terms of what has happened or what is happening, in terms of religious affiliation and religious practice. And I don't discuss this with, 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 with even the, the, the slightest of disrespect. I, I have great relationships, of course, uh, with many of our local churches and faith leaders. Um, great mutual respect, alhamdulillah. And um, the reason why I'm discussing this is so that we can learn, so that we can learn and understand what is happening to others and what could also happen to us if we are not careful. So some of the main factors that we find for this drop, and this again is, is based on research and article that I found, um, is that people appear to be losing interest 
in religious teachings and adopting secular lifestyles and worldviews. And not really feeling the need to worship, especially because of prosperity. So when times are good, the times are good, people have jobs and they're earning money and they're, you know, they're, they're, they have wealth and they're living comfortable lives. Even though, of course, there are all types of problems, there always will be. But, you know, the, 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 the need perhaps for them is not there. That feeling that, you know what, I'm okay without being so religious and being practicing, so why do I need to worship and why do I need to practice? So that, tied with the rise in secularism right, and atheism, is, is, is really making a dent. Number two is perhaps due to not addressing new challenges and situations. So a general lack of relevancy being felt by people. So, you know, if, if people turn to faith and religion for guidance, they turn to faith and religion for guidance, you know, to get something that impacts them in their daily life, in their day-to-day -day life, and they're not getting that. There's a lack, there's a disconnect in terms of the types of things that they're hearing and, and, and their impact on their daily lives that has a, a great, or has the potential to have a great negative impact. Or there are challenges and issues that are coming up, but people don't want to talk about them, maybe because they don't have answers or they don't know how to approach the topic or they're afraid of the subject. And therefore, there is a disconnect and a lack of relevancy. Number three, not being able to figure out how to navigate the divide between science and spiritual and supernatural beliefs. And that again is linked with right, the rise in atheism, right? They're, 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 they're related to each other. Um, so understandably, it's a challenging area to navigate because obviously religions and faith will have beliefs Right, which are considered to be supernatural in many cases, which perhaps cannot be explained scientifically. And it can be a great challenge for adherents, for, for, for people who are members of the, of the religion, and also for religious leaders and scholars to be able to understand how to navigate that. Number four, you know, watering down and losing touch with the form and the rituals and practices of religion. So when religious teachings become so watered down for whichever reason that it's, it almost loses its meaning or people feel like it's, it's, it's losing its meaning, then that also can become a huge problem. And the other thing that was mentioned in this article was essentially a lack of da'wah. A lack of da'wah, right? From the Christian perspective even, right? Which was identified as one of the factors contributing to the decline of Christianity in the West. And as a result of all of this, what we see, what we observe, is that religion generally has turned into what people feel like it should be. Has turned into what people feel like what it should be. Um, and a lot of times it's just about symbols. It's just about symbols and titles and names and um, some teachings may be there but the majority of people right 
who still may affiliate, perhaps affiliate with that religion, are not really serious about it. So while the experience of Muslim minorities in the West may be more similar to that of the Jewish community, which has been able to preserve arguably better uh, due to perhaps smaller numbers, although of course they too face many challenges, there is much to learn from the Christian journey so that we can avoid the same pitfalls. See, the Prophet ﷺ forewarned us and he said that that you would tread the same path as was trodden by those before you inch by inch and step by step so much so that if they had entered into the hole of a lizard, you would follow them in this also. Right. That is going to happen. They're going to end up following others and following them step by step, inch by inch. And what happens when you follow someone else? What happens when you follow someone else? You end up where they ended up. You end up where they're going and you end up where they're ending up. Right? It's as simple as that. Right? If you're driving and you're following someone ahead of you and you don't have no idea where you're going, you're just following them. Wherever they go, you're going to go. Right? Wherever they end up, they, they end up you know, in a ditch. <laughs> you might end up in a ditch. They're going to end up in a cul-de-sac, you know, at a dead end. You're also going to end up at a dead end. Right? So the Prophet wasallam has warned us. Has warned us about falling into this practice of copying and following the teachings of others and the practices of others. That doesn't mean that we can't have friendly relations. That doesn't mean that we can't be good to our neighbors. That doesn't mean that we, we, we can be polite and friendly and even helpful towards one another. Absolutely, we can be all of those things. But at the same time, at the same time, this deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a deen of substance, is a deen which is unique, is a deen which is pure. And therefore, it has its own ways and it has its own teachings. And it is for our own benefit to hold on to those and to follow the footsteps of the, shown by the Messenger وسلم, and our pious predecessors. So a few things that we can learn or that we should perhaps be careful about. Starting in order, all the way from the back. Right, or from the beginning. Number one, so going overboard. Overboard in what? Going overboard in love. Because if you think about it, right, they actually believed in Sayyidina Isa They didn't reject. They embraced him. Right? They accepted him, believed in him, and embraced him. But loved him so much that they ended up cross crossing the boundary. Ended up going beyond what was acceptable, right? So love for the prophets, والسلام, for the prophet وسلم, love for our pious predecessors, love for scholars, pious people, people who are good, people of religion, is good, alhamdulillah, it's very good. But it should not exceed the limits that have been set by Allah and shown by the prophet And one thing to keep in mind, my brothers and sisters, is that each generation can be expected to take things a little bit further. Okay? So you may be doing something and you may feel, well, you know what, I'm clear. What I'm doing is maybe 
you know, at the forefront or at the edge, but I'm not crossing any boundaries. I'm within the boundaries, I'm okay. But remember that your children and the future generations who are going to see that you've, you've reached that limit or you've gone to a certain point, there's a good chance they're going to go beyond that. There's a very good chance they're going to go beyond that. And you can see changes between generations. The things that our parents, for example, you know, didn't think were acceptable. And perhaps we are you know, a little bit more lenient about those things, just as an example. Good chance is that your children and your grandchildren are going to be even more lenient about that. Right? So don't just think about what you're doing, but also about what the next step will be. If you bring it this far, what's going to be the next step? So keep that in mind. Number two, the need for being linked to the original primary sources. Because one of the hallmarks of this deen is the originality and purity of the teachings. Because we believe it to be the truth. And the truth is no longer the truth if it is mixed up with things which are not the truth. Uh, so it has to be pure and it has to be pristine. So being linked with the primary sources with the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is absolutely essential for the preservation of this deen. Okay? If we are not linked, then the purity of this truth will come into question and therefore will no longer be the truth anymore. Number three, relevancy and addressing challenges head on. Right? So if there are issues, if there are challenges, they have to be addressed and they have to be faced with, head on. Sometimes our children, for example, will ask us questions that we find to be challenging, questions that we don't know how to answer. And the tendency used to be, and perhaps still is sometimes, to push it away, shove it under the rug. Uh, don't want to talk about it. This is not a question. This is something that we don't talk about. Right? And that actually makes things worse. So if you are faced with a question that is challenging, don't run and hide. Don't ignore it but rather go to someone who can perhaps help you in addressing that challenge and that question. Number four, standing up against the tide of secularism and empty symbolism. Right? So challenging it and showing a better way. Because you will see, right? you will see that even for Muslims, even in Islam, there is now this growing trend where there is great encouragement to, for example, celebrate your holidays, celebrate your culture, Right. But, stop there. Huh? So it's about the symbols, it's about feeling good, a few moments of you know, feeling like you've done something, but then go back to your normal routine. So it becomes empty and it becomes meaningless. Number five, being connected to the community and the jama'ah. And this is extremely, extremely important. Because the Prophet ﷺ has warned us about being alone, has warned us about being disconnected has told us the virtues of coming together, has told us that the mercy and protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are upon the congregation and upon the community. So do not disconnect yourself. It's going to be tempting sometimes, but do not disconnect yourself and keep yourself connected to some community, to some jama'ah. Right? Don't be alone. Don't cut yourself off. And don't leave your family alone either, meaning cut away from the community be connected with one another. As we have made this beautiful land our home, alhamdulillah, 
We must work together to make it better, better and to be positive contributors to society. So once again, all of the things that I'm mentioning, they are not you know, mutually exclusive in the sense that it doesn't mean that we just do those things and then we don't do anything else to build relationships with our neighbors and our colleagues and our fellow citizens and to contribute positively. We absolutely must do that. But at the same time, we must do that as well. We also, because we need to preserve, otherwise what we have can be lost very quickly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So just some quick few uh, action items, inshallah. So number one, set a routine for yourself and your family to visit a masjid either daily or at least weekly. And perhaps tie it in with something meaningful and enjoyable. Okay? So perhaps it's a treat. Perhaps it's a lunch somewhere. Perhaps it's some other activity. But bring in the habit, develop the habit of being regular and of being connected with the masjid. Daily if you can, if not a few times a week, but at the very least, once a week. Number two, feel ownership for the preservation of the deen and share and build that concern in your children and grandchildren. Right? And this is why I often like to remind, especially my young friends, that all of them, boys and girls, have a great mission ahead have a great responsibility ahead to carry forward this torch to preserve the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take it the way we are passing it on right. preserve it even improve it meaning in, in terms of our shortcomings improve it by linking it to Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and doing a better job at it and then pass it on to your children and the next generations right so every single one of us and especially my young friends should feel ownership and feel this responsibility. Number three, connect with scholars of knowledge and taqwa who are addressing real life issues and struggles of today and who are supporting the development of such scholarship. Right? This is extremely important for the preservation of our deen. Number four, connect with the Quran and the life and the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ through actual study, right? listening to lectures and spending time, not just like, you know, little quotes and posts and shares, which are also good, but spend some time and allocate some time for that. Number five, fight the urge to stay stagnant in your deen and push forward, push hard to learn and to improve and to serve, right? To be a part of the community. First of all, build yourself and then contribute. Resist the trends towards symbolism. Again, the name of Islam is there, but it's just the feel-good moment and there's very little or no substance. So beware of that trend because it is growing. And number seven, finally, build community. Be every single one of us, be a community builder, bringing people together and connect with the community. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept all of our efforts and the efforts of those who are making efforts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect all of us. May Allah azza wa jal protect our future generations. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us a means for the strengthening of this deen and not its weakening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and bless us all. Ameen wa akhidawan alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.